Okay, that's good. <laughs> hey, well, I, I tell you, I am so thankful to be in a body of Christ where the young men can stand and preach. What do you think? Those two young men just did a phenomenal job. You're always exiting when I'm saying good things about you, so I'm glad you're here this morning. How many thought they did a great job? Woo! That was awesome. Clear, concise, to the point, and calling people to, to uh, uh, action. That's really what it's about. You know, it was uh, five and a half years ago today that we started this little wonderful program of writing notes of encouragement. And uh, there are some really good ones in here this morning. Miriam, you are such a, a delightful sister in Christ, and fellowship with you is so sweet. The world surely needs more of the joy, warmth, fun, and generosity you radiate. Let's give it up for Miriam. Woohoo! Miriam, right in the very back. Right in the very back. Miriam, wave your hand. There you go. All right. Eric Johnson. You did an awesome job this month teaching about courage in the face of fear. Powerful messages, especially this morning, in revealing the emerging culture we live in and the greater need for courage in Christ. Man, you were powerful this last month, and I really appreciate it. Let's give it up for Eric. I'll include Eric and those young men who can stand and deliver. How's that, Eric? That's a compliment, right? <laughs> oh, here we go. Bill, Sharon, Andrew, Ryan, Jacob, Logan, Liberty, and Alan. We're going to have to tear this up. Here we go. Thank you so much. For helping Rose and I to move yesterday. We appreciate you all more than we can say. And thank you, Mom and Dad, for, for feeding everyone. So let's give it up for all those who helped uh, move yesterday. I don't know who to give that to. Uh, go give it to Liberty. She's always encouraging us. There you go. All right. So if you want your piece of that encouragement, you go talk to Liberty. There you go. So anyway. Well, again, I just really am thankful uh, for uh, the messages this morning that both uh, the young men brought and, of course, what Eric brought. Uh, I want to encourage you. Um, when Brian Braggis stood up here and preached during uh, adult Bible class, uh, he works 16-hour shifts, and uh, I was kind of mean to him. I said, man, you need to cover this one month. And usually I try to cover the month when he's got a different schedule. So he was going 16 hours coming here, standing and delivering. And he was writing new lessons because even though he might have the same story, it's a different lesson. And so, again, I heard this morning from Eric. Eric did a fantastic job on courage in the face of fear. And uh, that gentleman, uh, I remember first few times he, he spoke it was, it was kind of a touch and go thing. But man, he now he stands and delivers, but he still invests him time, his, himself in time. And then my son Jacob is going to be speaking next month. And he's already been investing himself. He was investing himself a month and a half ago. I understand that we got all lots going on, but it would really be great during the adult Bible class hour if folks were here. When Mr. Bragg stands and delivers, if you're asleep, you won't be asleep very long. Okay? 
Now, Eric's not that same kind of preacher, but man, I'm always back there about splitting my face wide open because I'm listening and processing what you have to say. And it was challenging this morning. Challenging. Church needs to be challenged. Church is apathetic. That's why the world's going crazy. We need to stand and deliver the message in both word and action in the workplace. And in everywhere we go. We've got to hate sin and love God and live the life. Amen? Amen? And one puny sermon from me a week isn't going to cut it. I mean, I hope I'm doing a good job, and I love these young men standing up and delivering, but we really need to invest ourselves every day in personal study and get as many sermons by great men who are working hard to develop the, the scriptural message. Can I get an amen on that one? And I, I hope you'll consider that. I know that beauty sleep that I miss has really taken a toll. I, I, and I know you're going, yeah, it really has. Now, I'm sorry, I just put words in your mouth, but I'm just joking. But it's really important that you make the investment to grow your faith. Now, really quick, I got some announcements here. Uh, adult or uh, Bible class teachers, adult and otherwise, uh, Bible class teachers and assistants are going to have a meeting today right after assembly. We're looking at some curriculum changes. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be great. Uh, family fellowship dinner. Uh, it's not too late to start promoting. Wednesday, April 16th, Sunday evening, 530. Oh, by the way, next week or next month, I should say, April, we're going to be meeting over at the Kirkpatrick's place on Wednesday night and Sunday nights for assemblies. And uh, we do have a birthday girl in the audience uh, today. Pretty excited about singing to her. Are there any other announcements? Oh, coming up in April, it's kind of crazy. There's only 30 days in April, and yet there's five Sundays in April. Did you know that, Jake? Five Sundays in April? Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. I was looking at it going, man, I asked my son to preach five sermons. Man, this is his debut. So anyway, I hope you all make it out just to scare him. I mean, give him some experience. That'd be great. So anyway, um, with that, on Sunday evening, the 30th, down at the Six and Gibb Church of Christ in Cottage Grove, there's another, um, help me with this. Thank you. Fifth Sunday rally. How is kink is like a shindig or something singing, but that's what it's going to be, right? So we all want to go there. It'll be fun. Good time. All right, with that, we're going to sing Jamie, happy birthday. Jamie, there you are. I thought maybe you escaped. All right, let's sing for Jamie. Anybody else got a birthday coming up this week? Jamie's yours is on the 31st, right? All right, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. You know, I, I should appreciate Jamie for so many things. When uh, I was going to Belarus with a bunch of youngins, man, she was uh, the little mama hen, man, making sure those kids didn't get stolen in the subway or something else. In fact, you remember that time we grabbed, we grabbed Sophie, the two of us, and she wasn't going anywhere with nobody, so it was pretty cool. Anyway, I appreciate you for that. I also appreciate you're an amazing photographer. There's a picture of me that looks pretty good, and it was her fault, so thank you. All right, now it's time to get serious and move on. Hey, grab in your, uh, 
your uh, uh, little bulletins. Grab the lesson plan if you would. I know some of you take notes, some of you don't, but if you could follow along in that lesson plan. So if I sound confusing, you can find where I'm at in the lesson plan. That would be great. And I'm going to do something this morning, if I can find it. And I'm a little bit nervous now because I, oh no, let's see. I had written out my introduction. My introduction was going to go something like this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous man, the righteous woman will live by faith. I'm serious about that passage of scripture I quoted. I own that one. And you know, there's a lot of scriptures that I own. But did you know we should all own those scriptures? How about this one? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this, this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, the one who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Eric spoke this morning about a culture that is, is going worldwide. It's the opposite of the culture of life. I love the culture of life. 24 years I spent in the culture of death, but now I'm alive forevermore. I'll tell you, I love the scripture. It says, we were once dead in our sins and trespasses, but he has made us alive together with Christ. For by his wounds, you and I have been healed. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to live. I want to live in life. Do you remember the song when you were a little kid? Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Some of you are frowning at me. Wow! You know what? We're on our way to heaven. And it's because of what Jesus Christ did. That unmerited gift. He chose to go to the cross. When his father said, it's time, son, it's time, son, for you to go. The fullness of time has come, and it's your time to go into the world to save every human soul. For those who would choose you, life eternal. For those who reject the truth that you die for them, they've chosen separation. I don't know about you, brethren, but the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to help us to understand that we are heaven-bound, and as my son said, we are glorified right now, and our lives change the world around us. I believe in one man, one woman, changing the world. None of this was written in my introduction, but I just got charged up because of Eric's lesson. But it has to do with what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about two very important points. Number one, who Jesus is and what he's done for us and is still doing for us. And the second point is our faith conviction that's going to drive us to love as he loved. That's truly the fear of God. 
Again, what's the fear of God when it's spoken of as a reverence for God? It's being in awe of what he has done in the creation of the world and what he has done bringing us out of spiritual death into spiritual life. We are a new creation, eternal, empowered by the spirit of Christ within, as again was shared. Now, I pray that the church at Pleasant Hill, as all churches who love the Lord and love his word, would commit themselves to a careful study and an application of the word as the spirit would empower us to live. So this morning, my first point is the gospel message. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. And we're going to begin in verse 8. And although we're cutting kind of a little bit into uh, a passage there, it's talking about the word of faith. The word of faith is near you and is in you. Is the word of faith near you always? Is it in you as you read it and meditate on it? Let's read Romans chapter uh, 10, verses uh, 8 through verse 17. But what does it say? What does the word of faith say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord or, or Master, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord or Master is Master of all abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they're sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news or the gospel of good things. Yeah, I'll put my feet on display later this morning if you're so inclined. Gross. It's talking about how beautiful that soul of, of a man or a woman who's willing to share the truth of life with people who are lost in this crazy dark world. But let's read on. Verse four or verse uh, uh, 16. However, they did not all obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Literally, Lord, who has believed our gospel proclamation? So faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Now, brethren, I want you to think about that for just a minute. That was quite a bit of information there. But if you will confess with your mouth and live in your life, Jesus as Lord, your life will be blessed, and are you ready? Your life will be a blessing to others as they see the life of Christ manifest in you. The sacrificial love of Christ, that compassion, that gentleness, that kindness. 
And that great courage, as Eric has been speaking of, that courage to stand and live the life, even when everybody else around is freaking out and, and hunkering in their bunker, you're living the life and you're drawing people to life eternal, getting them excited for a life that really is filled with all sorts of excitement. Again, suffering as well, like the Apostle Paul. But man, Paul's the one who says, I'm eager to preach to you who are in Rome, where he would eventually have his head cut off. He loved preaching, he loved preaching, and it didn't matter. How about you and I? Oh, I don't want anybody to know I'm a Christian. How are they going to know about Christ if Christ's people don't live it, don't share it, don't confess it? So there's power there. And so to have our sins forgiven and, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we've believed and obeyed the gospel? I don't know about you, but take a moment and stop. God eternal stepped out of heaven and took the form of a human being made in the likeness of man in every way. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He could have sinned because he was a human being and yet he still came. And he knew what the eventual end for his life would be because he read it in the scriptures. You'll be pierced in your hands and your feet. You'll bear the sins of the world in your body. For who? For people who had rejected him and lived for themselves. Who is that, by the way? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That was me. And if you're willing to be honest, that was you. And what did you do to deserve heaven? What did you, what did you and I deserve uh, to receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places like I spoke of just a, a couple of weeks ago? What did you do? The answer is nothing. You didn't do it. Nothing. Nothing did you do to warrant him coming and dying for you. He did it because he loved you and wanted to give you a chance to escape. Brethren, if we begin to realize what God has actually done, it'll change your whole life. Look at Philippians really quickly. Look at Philippians and chapter three. Listen to the apostle Paul. As was shared this morning, rightly so, the apostle Paul was rabid in that culture of death, he wanted to exterminate the church. Satan had him. And, and he was literally going after the church and dragging people out of their houses day and night and putting them on trial and then having them killed, stoned to death. Listen to what this Apostle Paul, who saw the light literally and turned his life around. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. Um, look at verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Please join me in this. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Verse 8 gets even better. More, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my master. 
That's what it says. Knowing Christ Jesus, my master, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I want to know him. The more you know him, the more you'll be in awe. The more you know him, the more you will love him. That's why studying the scriptures every day. That's why reading and thoughtfully thinking through them about who Jesus is and what he's done. Those two great questions, who is Jesus and what he's done, the more you can get the answer for those, the more you will be one who will bow the knee in awe and adoration, worshiping and serving him. I think oftentimes the church has missed that very critical piece of knowing who Jesus is and knowing what he's done. I remember being taught the five steps for salvation. There was a problem. Jesus wasn't in the center. It was do this, 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 and this, and you'll be saved. Where's Jesus in that equation? Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the one who empowers. Jesus is the one who gave his life and is in a moment beck and call right now. What he has done and who he is. The sooner we can get that in our minds, the more by faith we will love and serve him and people will see a difference in your life. They'll see the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. And they're going to be drawn to you. They'll want to know what you have, they want, and they don't know how to get it. Christian, if your Monday is horrible and you walk into Monday with a bad attitude, man, do you think Jesus walked into his Mondays with a bad attitude? The woe is me mentality? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. In fact, show me where you see an example of Jesus walking in and going, Man, that was a rough weekend. Man, they stoned me or tried to stone me down at the synagogue. I just got out of there a little with an inch of my life. By the way, that was real. He was always getting in trouble <laughs> in the synagogue on Saturday. First day for his week, as is ours, is the Lord's Day. Man, we got to get this right. We got to be people who have the mind of Jesus the faith of Jesus, so that we will bow the knee and serve our Heavenly Father, not out of fear of punishment, but of love for what he has done for us. Well, look at this next one really quickly, Isaiah 56. I don't want to take too much time, but this is the actual uh, quote that it comes from Isaiah 56. So turn quickly with me to the book of Isaiah 56 and see how the Old Testament speaks these same words. 56, Isaiah 56, verses 6 through 10. Also the foreigners, 56 verses, I want to get this right, verses 6 through 10. Okay. Also the foreigners to join themselves to the Lord, to minister him, to love the name of the Lord. Uh, by the way, we're all foreigners, so this is for us. 
to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. Then those I will bring to my holy mountain and them and make them joyful in my house of prayer. That's the church. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable to me. That's sacrificing ourselves. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. The Lord God who grants the dis this dispersed of Israel declares, yet others I will gather to them, to those already gathered. He's talking about us. What are we going to be doing? We're going to be fellowshipping together in the house and we're going to be glorifying him so others can see his glory. If you don't enter into your week with a sense of excitement and joy to live the life and to share with other people, there's something missing. Might I suggest it's that awe and adoration, that faithfulness and love for who Christ is and what he's done for you. Well, let's go to point number two. Look at point number two on the back of your little study plan there. Unmerited salvation and the fear of the Lord. Remember, the fear of the Lord is awe and adoration. Unmerited salvation and the fear of the Lord. Psalms 130. I have to be honest with you. When I came across this passage, I, uh, I did a double take. In fact, I went, I am, and I'm serious. God's my witness. I wish he could come down here and say, yeah, he was like a deer in the headlights when he read this one. Like, what? Huh? That's exactly how it was. Look at it. Psalms 130. And I think you're going to see what I'm talking about. Verses 1 through 4. This is the second point. Unmerited salvation and the fear of the Lord. Out of the depths I've cried to you, O Lord. Master, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications, my, my requests. If you, Lord, shall mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Do you know what he just said? Man, if you kept track of my iniquities, if you kept track of our iniquities, which is sin, if you kept track of our sin, we would all be gone. No one's getting in. Did you catch that? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every human has been in the same wrong boat. It's called the, the USS Titanic. Okay? And the one, the one, the one life raft that came was the one that Jesus brought aside. And you're either going to get in that lifeboat or you're going down with the ship. I don't know about you, I'm getting in the lifeboat. Oh, by the way, he'll take men, women, and children of faith. I don't know about you, I like that one. But look at verse 4. Verse 4 is just like, whoa. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Did you, did you catch that? There is forgiveness with you, O Lord, so that you may be feared. How many have ever remember me teaching you about the words, the words, so that? I go to the grocery store in my car so that I can buy a gallon of milk. Notice, why do I get in my car? So that I'll get a gallon of milk. I was immersed into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins 
to receive the Holy Spirit. Notice, I was immersed into Christ so that I might receive the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a connection there. Man, I look pretty cool on the thing here. <laughs> they don't get the full meal deal. You do. Notice the word so that. So that. Would you read that again with me? Verse 4. But there is forgiveness with you that or so that you, God, may be feared that you might be and people might be in awe of you. you. Why did you die for me when I was disgusting? Why? Why did you raise me up and give me life eternal? What did I do except for give you a hard time and cause your death on the cross? Do you understand when we recognize who Jesus is and what he's done? Truly, we're so unworthy and yet we who draw near to him and bow down to him in awe and adoration not only receive forgiveness of sins in the Holy Spirit, but our place in heaven is secured and we're given power to live what Jesus called the abundant life. That's why when I read this, let's read it again. Verse four, but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Why did Jesus give himself? Why did he sacrifice 100%? So that you and I would wake up from the stupor of the darkness and go, I want out of this mess. I want to live for him. Brethren, you know, the gospel of Christ is called the gospel of glory. It's called the gospel of light. It's called the gospel of peace. It's called the gospel of life. It's called the good news. I lived in the world. And as you well know from several times, I almost killed myself and then the devil would have had me forever. The devil has lost me forever. I'm living for him because he died for me. Look at the, the last two scriptures here. Let's put it all together here in the last few minutes. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 15. You know that, that most evil of all men, his name was Saul of Tarsus. He was the most evil. If you've ever, and, and by the way, that's written in the Bible. The Holy Spirit said that. The Holy Spirit said, that Saul, he was the worst of the worst. Wow. Take a look at this. Verse chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning there in verse 9. Listen to what Paul says about himself and why he is so now on fire for the Lord. What does he say there? Take a look. Verse 9. He says, for I am... I am the least of the apostles. I'm not even fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. If you know what that actually means, if you understood exactly what he's talking about there, he had a kind of a morbid joy about having Christians murdered, killed. He actually says that about himself in several places. But by the grace of God, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, for I labored 
even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Brethren, you know what Paul is saying there? It's not about me. It's about what God has done for me. I don't know if you've ever been in a Bible study with me before and I'm talking to you about the Lord and what he did and I get kind of choked up. Man, when I really start thinking what I did before and what I have now, the hundredfold blessing, the hundredfold blessing in this life and the, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that we talked about, all of it has been given to you and to me, but do we understand that? I get choked up. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve an amazing life. I don't deserve three amazing sons. I don't deserve to be standing in front of you. But it's only by his grace. And so I want more people to have what I got. You know, when I came up out of the water grave, I was, I was going to ask this young lady by the name of Colleen to marry me. I know Sharon's thankful that I didn't. And I'm thankful I didn't. Okay. But I took, I was baptized on a Thursday. Friday, I took her out. Uh, a picnic down at Shevlin Park outside of Bend to uh, a little, there's a beautiful little creek that has some big, gigantic pools. In it. And we went and had a little picnic lunch, you know, put the blanket out on the grass and eat the little, and I just told her, Colleen, something happened to me last week. I've been studying and, and reading, and finally it came to me. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And I said, Colleen, I came out of the three sisters wilderness. I drove home, terrified that I might die, but God being gracious covered me. And I got baptized that night. I said, I want you to know the same joy. She goes, I've never been baptized before. What are you talking about? I mean, she was like, her head was spinning. And I go, well, let me lay it out for you. So we spent about three hours. She started to cry. She goes, I, I, I got to talk to my folks. I, I got to talk to my folks. That was a mistake. Because when I went to pick her up for dinner, Friday night dinner, because that's what we did every Friday night when I got out of the woods, we'd go out to dinner. Her dad came to the door and said, you're not welcome here. Because I shared the gospel plan of salvation with her. And his gospel plan of salvation was not the same. Sadly, I was excited. And from that day forward, man, it was like, man, other people got to know. They got to know. I never intended to be a preacher. Some of you know this already. I hated school. I hated most of my teachers because they didn't like me. I was the retard dummy. It was causing more work for them. But the reality is, is God said, you're going to be a teacher and you're going to be a preacher. And I left the church because of some pretty nasty, vile things that those preacher boys were doing. And here I am. And I'm so thankful. So I work as Paul worked. But you know what Paul is saying? You know the reason he worked so hard? Is because he's undeserving. Because he recognizes he's undeserving. 
When are we going to recognize the amazing gifts that we've been given? And then try to pay back the debt of love that we have? He loved us and gave it all. How about you and I? Will we love him back and give it our all? That's a really big transition into the last passage of scripture. Luke in chapter 7. This story always, always just lights me up. <laughs> it really does. I love it when, when Jesus kind of knocks on the knuckle-headed Pharisee's head going, wake up, wake up. This is a classic. Uh, unfortunately, well, we're fortunately as the case may be, I, I, I am the woman who comes in, a sinner, and just grovels at his feet because I realize how messed up I was. I did that. And he forgave me. See, here, let's read this. This is great. And I, I don't mean to get a little bit of excitement about how Jesus set this guy up to think about who he was, but let's look at verse 36. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I hope you're as entertained as I am when I read this. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus, hey, come dine with me. And he entered, Jesus entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, a prostitute. Uh, and, and when she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and, and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with a, with a perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited saw him, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. She's a prostitute. And you know what my first question was when I was reading this? How does this guy know she's a prostitute? Hmm? Just threw that out there. But he's a holy man of God. I remember a friend of mine in the police department once said that uh, he arrested a, a prominent person in the, uh, the society or the community that uh, was hiring a young woman off the street. And then he, he arrested someone who was an elder in one of the churches. Are you kidding me? What in the world? kind of like this Pharisee. If he really knew who she was, like I have, then I just added a little bit, sorry. So I want you to see what's going on here. Verse 40. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. He's just going, I can't wait to him telling me how good my lunch was, <laughs> how beautiful my house is. I can just imagine, right? Focused on the worldly stuff. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously gave them, uh, forgave both of them. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, hmm, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning towards the woman, he said to him, said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house 
and you gave me no water for my feet. That was a tradition that the Jewish people would do. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. That was another tradition that he kind of dispensed with. You gave me no kiss, but she has, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, which another tradition that he should have done, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, pause for effect, as you look at Simon and wink at him, he who is forgiven little loves little. Do you see what happens when you love the Lord Jesus? You will prostrate yourself, in this case physically, but we're talking in our hearts, yielding our wills and yielding our lives to his service because we love him because we know that he loves us more and sacrificed all for us. Do you see the power of understanding who Jesus is and what he's done? It will cause you to fear him, not be terrified, but fear him in, in reverential awe and adoration and love and faithfulness. That's why it's important to know who Jesus is. That's why it's important to know what he's done for you, just you specifically. Because he's done it for all people. That's why Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. How shall we who had our sins removed from us still live in it? Do you understand? The love of God will cause us to humble ourselves, to serve him in love. And as an old farmer once said to me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 is his favorite verse. You know who that old farmer is, Jeff? What's, what's his favorite verse? For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again on their behalf. I'm living for Jesus because he died for me. I'm loving on Jesus and serving him because he died for me. Do you see now how the forgiveness will drive us to fear him with that reverential fear? It's a beautiful thing. I gave you extra verses there in your, your little note sheet. If you want to go back and look those up, they're pretty awesome. It's amazing. If we know who he is and what he's done, the power, then, that we have in humbly serving him and being blessed by him as we are a blessing to others. Let's pray. Lord, I am, I am so excited about the lessons about fearing you with that reverential fear to stand in awe of, of who you are and to so love and adore what you have done for me and, and what you continue do, to do for me. Father, for each of us, that offer of life abundant is given. And I pray that we would recognize that what you have done for us is, will drive us to live for you and not for ourselves. How thankful we are 
for your great love, for your great sacrifice when it was unmerited and how exciting it is to live by faith and love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. For this truly is the fear of God. In your son's name we pray, amen. All right, let's get all excited. Come on, stand with me. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. All right, get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, hopefully we'll see you tonight and Bible class teacher meeting. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.